I see things. You laugh at an old man. <laughs> There's them that laughs and knows better. See the TV cameras yet? That's what I'm kidding right now is this weird chills. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and from where Watch I out. sit, there just ain't enough damn dogs. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Come on, I feel... What was that? Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch them. Drug addiction, alcoholism, sadism, bestiality. We may ask what is real. Murder, vampire. Anything beyond that is dangerous. He's a liar. The demon is a liar. He would like to confuse us. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. The attack is psychological. And it's themselves. Powerful. Today for Freaky Fridays, I have a uh, very special guest. Well, besides the guest I have on, I do have my amazing Italian-Canadian co-host, Teresa. You want to say what's up, everybody? Yeah, what's up? Thanks for having me. Of course, yes. And uh, today we have uh, Roberta Glass on. Uh, Roberta, would you like to say hi and let everybody know where they can find your stuff? Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Um, I can be found on... Basically, anywhere where you can listen to a podcast, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, and I have a Facebook group. Come join the discussion, my Facebook group, Patreon, support my work. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. I think that, I think I, I hope, I'm sure I missed something, but I think I covered it with that. And I'm also on Twitter, at Roberta Glass Pod. Come follow me. All right, I might have to see. I know I did put some of your links in there already inside, and we are uh, does seem to be streaming on YouTube, so we're lucky. Uh, you're, you, I've already added some links for you in there, so if people want to go check her out, her links are in there, and if there's anything I missed, I will add it after the fact. Uh, so, yeah, so today we have you on because um, you covered the Nexium, or the Nexium, however you want to say it, Nexium trial. Uh, I find that very interesting, and I'm sure there's uh, some interesting stuff that happened in the courtroom that uh, we're all do not know. But um, before we get into that, I was going to read off just some stuff from Wikipedia about Nexium in case people aren't exactly sure about it, just to give you an overall, you know, thing about it. Uh, it was the name of a commonly used and name commonly used to describe the personality cult of imprisoned racketeer and sex offender Keith Raniere. Uh, Nixium is also a, is also the trademark name of the defunct corporation that Ranieri founded, which provided seminars and videos in the field of human potential development. The United States seized ownership of Nexium related entities and the intellect and their intellectual property through asset for, uh, forfeiture during Ranieri's conviction. 
the Nixium Corporation was based in Clifton Park, New York, a suburb of Albany. So the crazy thing was, is I actually didn't know this was uh, in New York. So when you had said you covered the trial in New York, I was like, oh, I didn't even know that happened here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he and had centers throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. The subsidiaries companies of Nixium who recruited based on the multi-level marketing model had a common link uh, was the use of curricula based on the intellectual property of Ranieri called Rational Inquiry. Courses attract a variety of notable students, including actors as well as, as, well as the children of the rich and powerful. Over the existence, former members and, family, and, uh, former members and families of Nixium clients Alarmed by Ranieri's behavior and Nixium's practices, spoke to investigative journalists of Forbes, Vanity Fair, the New York Observer, and the Times Union of Albany, calling the organization a cult. The organization was criticized in similar terms by Rick Allen Ross of the Cult Education Institute and activists and academics from the anti-cult movement. In 2017, former members Sarah Edmondson, Bonnie Heiss, maybe you know these names better, and Bark Vicente, uh, as well as Catherine Oxenberg, a mother of member Indiana Oxenberg, spoke to the New York Times and revealed grave concerns about Keith Ranieri and Nixium, including the existence of secret society called DOS, in which women were branded, made to record uh, false confessions and provide nude photographs for blackmail. Uh, that's enough. I'm not going to keep going on and botching that all up. But that is a uh, that's kind of a little bit of an overview of uh, the trial. So now, Roberta, you were there. I don't know how you want to start this off, but uh, what was it? I guess you can start giving us some basics about the trial, and maybe I mean I have some questions myself, and we'll get into that. So what what happened was I, I went to pretty much all of the hearings up until the trial, so. Keith Ranieri wasn't the only one prosecuted for the cult's crimes. Claire Bronfman, uh, Nancy Salzman, her daughter Lauren Salzman, uh, Allison Mack. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, And what was she from? And also Kathy, the person who did the books, and Kathy, now I'm forgetting her last name, was also was also prosecuted. Uh, so now I'm five. I know I'm missing someone in that list. Uh, was also prosecuted. So there's a whole bunch of people prosecuted. So when I first came, it, Claire Bronfman, who is the Seagrass heiress, heiress, she funded the cult's defense to the tune of $13.8 million. Oh, and Keith Ranieri. I'm missing, I'm missing the Vanguard. That's, I believe that's the last one. And wow. 13. And um, yeah. And so they, she funded this cult's defense. So they're all, I watched this United cult coming to court in this off tone way. First of all, the women were still on this, very low calorie vegan diet and Allison Mack (laughs) and Lauren and Claire particularly had this color skin that was like a combination of gray and green. I had never seen before looking so thin and sick. Keith Ranieri insisted that these women be very, very, very thin because he was, that was his preference. Also it's a control mechanism. And I believe he's a, 
narcissistic psychopath and into con- controlling. Oh, the branding uh, the I think under says him. It right there. Yeah, and branding them with his <laughs> initials. That's another thing. So I'm watching them all together, laughing, joking. They look like they're going to fight all these charges, completely off tone to the really serious charges that they were all facing. Oh, it was like the Manson and, family walking in. Right. And <laughs> they're they like, were oh, we got this. this. And Claire Bronfman's changing lawyers every you know, couple of weeks. I mean, really, really high priced, powerful lawyers. And they just going through like every single <laughs> lawyer. And uh, it looked like they were going to fight it. And then um, Nancy Salzman, who was the number two, the prefect, and she is the neurolinguistic programming expert. She went down. She pled guilty. And then they all pled guilty except Keith Ranieri, and Keith Ranieri went to trial. It was amazing. It was amazing. But I was just telling you, there was, like, lots of things that happened in those hearings that were just amazing. Like, for example, one of Claire Bronfman's lawyers was Michael Avignati, and he went to Nike. He went to he went to Nike and said, like, basically, I know you're up to all this illegal stuff. And they called him out and said, "You're blackmailing us." <laughs> and then they pressed charges on him for that. But it was thought at the time the reason he was trying to collect all this stuff from Nike is to bring it back to the government. This is a federal trial, and say, look. I'll trade you all this dirt I have so you can prosecute Nike and in exchange for giving my client, Claire Bronfman, a lighter sentence. In the end, Claire Bronfman... Oh, so anyway, back to the story. I'm sorry, hold on one second. Back to the story. So the judge, who was a really no-nonsense... Like, I think he kicked another another journalist out for just a look, getting a look (laughs) in for it. He was putting up with nothing. And he insisted that she answer why she did not disclose that she had hired Michael Avenatti. And she, Claire Bronfman always was very quiet in court. And she referred to, she went to, to motion to her lawyer, like, please speak for me. And the judge said, no, not your lawyer, you. You speak for yourself. And at that time, she says, oh, I need a, a break. And there was a break. <laughs> And they went up and had one of those meetings they have at the with the judge yeah. where they put on white noise, right? And at, coming back from the break, I saw her her knees buckle. She grabbed onto a chair in front of her and she performed a faint. And next thing I know, there's a <laughs> a gurney coming through the aisles and she's oh, hopping goodness. up on it like with so much energy, like a, a big smile on her face with her legs straight in front of her tasseled loafers pointing upward. I'll never forget it. And it just like, she looked like she, her health had just radically improved. As soon as the girl showed up. Right. So she basically gave her, it gave her a day to think about her answer, what she was going to tell the judge. So we had to come back. But as a journalist, it's a big, you know, you're excited. Those moments are very exciting, but it's ultimately disappointing because now you have to come back. The next day. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it gives you something sensational answer, to right. talk about. I did, it's like yeah. I still have to come it, back. Right. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as exciting. but You know, one you thing know, I want to ask it. you real quick before before we go on too, sure, too much. Sure, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's, it's just a weird question that I have. You mentioned something about um, a lot of people are into, like, vegans that he was associated with. Yeah. He, he pretty much – my understanding is that he insisted that these women eat a low – calorie vegan diet that's weird that that is um that was something that i would say was 
very kind of promoted and a lot was going on. Like I was in the OTO, Secret Society. A lot mm-hmm. of people there were even vegans or like they always pushed the idea of it or kind of promoted it. And I just wonder, like, is there something up with that? It's just very weird. I don't know what it is. It's a very deficient diet. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It, shout out to Vegan Deterioration's channel. But she's been highlighting what happens to people. It's fine for a short period of time. But yes. in the long run, people really deteriorate on that diet in all sorts of ways. You lose the collagen and you get a very, I mean, obviously a, a healthy vegan would say that I'm wrong. <laughs> and that and that you can live on it but combination is really really hard on the body of very low calories and a vegan diet both i wonder if that's all just a way to like physically make people weak and then kind of like mentally you know right i would think so and also it goes with the idea nexium really felt that they were the they promoted the idea just like scientologists which keith ranieri stole a lot of his ideology from Scientology was that they were the most Nexium and Scientologists believe they are the most ethical people in the world. Certainly a vegan diet goes oh. with that kind of ideology. We don't mm-hmm. have to kill animals. Also the environmental issues have all been promoted that way that a vegan diet is going to save the planet. Yeah. It's the same in the yoga world where I came from before as well. It's very much promoted. I do think it makes people mentally weak more than anything else, to be honest. And certainly, you know, there was sleep deprivation. There were rituals where they had to answer in this DOS society. They had to be had readiness drills at all hours of the morning and night. So they did all the cult tactics, sleep deprivation, changing your diet, um, isolation, isolating you from your friends and family. And I think the most shocking part of Keith Ranieri's trial for me, the thing of what I saw was when Danny, whose whole family was brought in from, came in from Mexico to live there, and they were all in the cult, and she fell in love with a Danny, this daughter, fell in love with a, diff, a man who wasn't Keith Ranieri, and her punishment was being locked in an empty room for two years. I read about that, actually. And uh, yeah. she had a toothache. And they wouldn't take her to get a root canal. And when they finally did, that was the happiest day of her life, getting a root canal. The pain that she could go through just waiting on that, horrible. Just to be in touch with the outside world and catch a glimpse of living normally. But she could hear her family living life all around her. And every day she would write letters begging Keith, telling Keith Ranieri she was sorry and to let her out and that she would be better. And she had all these plans. She also did this wonderful newsletter that was illustrated like an illustrated newsletter it was amazing (laughs) and they told her to stop doing that and uh she was in there for two years so uh, this was not a benign cult that's uh, among the other things i mean he was convicted of sex trafficking child pornography possession um racketeering and he had got 120 years and that was no surprise to anyone but the bigger surprise was that Allison Mack got less time than Claire Bronfman, who got six years, nine months. And she had done this deal where she paid, I think it was $6 million to sort of um, lessen her charges, which is incredible. I mean, the rich really have an advantage in every aspect of our society. But basically, she paid to get a lesser sentence. 
made a deal with the government. And I think the judge wasn't too happy about that. And she also refused to disavow Keith Raniere. There's still, um, there's a lot of uh, legal paperwork that came out recently that said uh, Claire Bronfman is still in touch with Keith Raniere. And she's not supposed to be in touch with any of these Nixian people. You had mentioned something before. Uh, now, you said that all these people started pleading out. Did any of them mm-hmm. ever make it to the stands before they even did that? I'm sorry. Kathy Russell is the name. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> that I forgot. Yeah, the other oh. defendant. Um, did any of them what? I'm sorry. Like, make it to the stands before they pleaded out. Like No. They, oh, so they gave up pretty quick. They didn't even start getting questioned and been like, oh, I may not be able to make it through this. No, they didn't have it. Their, their trial, none of their trials started. They just all pled out. But after, I mean, it was just, there was another judge that was, basically they said every text message is privileged. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, that's a short. So there was a judge trying to suss out what is privileged and what isn't. And I didn't think too much of that judge. She seemed really in love with the defense and in love with Nexium, oh. And so I'm saying it was a really elaborate. This pro- There was a lot of energy going into giving these people a fair trial and sorting out all the legal issues. So it was a big surprise when Nancy Salzman pled out. Nobody thought that was going to happen. It really looked like they were all going to court. Yeah. They should have United. checked the judge to see if she was branded. Maybe she was one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was very weird. It was a very weird experience because we had such a great judge, normal judge, but this special judge that was just put in charge of this one issue was, I thought, not great. And I know other people who attended those hearings thought she wasn't great either. Um, had the same impression that she was just sort of in love with the defense team and very preferential to the defense team. Gotcha. Now, those, those I'm assuming you didn't, uh, well, yeah, because they never really made it to court, so you didn't even see any of that. You just know from, did they mention that in the trial with Keith? What do you mean? At? I didn't make, make it well, to court. Well, all right, the, um, the, the other, I'm probably getting confused of how this works. The other people who pled out, did you actually, were you in there in the courtroom for that, for them pleading out? Yes. Or, oh, mm-hmm. okay, see, I'm sorry. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't know if that was a completely so different courtroom. You get a, you get a yeah, word <laughs> comes out that they're good. there's going be a plea hearing, and you, it, it, it you know, you run down there for it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, right. It, it, it's announced like a day or two ahead of time, and you, you run down and, and check it out. But um, Nancy Salzman was doing all sorts of weird, oh, God, at her sentencing hearing and at the plea deal hearing, all sorts of weird neurolinguistic programming techniques. And I felt, I haven't really ever talked about this, but I've never, I, I went to her, sentencing hearing and I I just felt so weird like she started talking and all her sentences I'm taking notes and all her sentences are like a snake eating its own tail and it just put me in a very weird headspace I feel like she hypnotized me and then Mm. I went home and I slept for two days straight (laughs) so so, and I kept saying to people wasn't that weird wasn't that weird they're like (laughs) Like, so I think she was using some of those neurolinguistic programming techniques in her sentencing hearing, and I know in her um, plea deal, too. Oh, probably. I'm wondering, Roberta, like, do you think that the other female defendants, like, made a plan to plead guilty and leave Keith out to dry? Yeah, I think I think once Nancy Salzman, um, <laughs> pled, who's really the number two in yeah. the group, 
And I say that, but I mean, no doubt that Keith Raniere was running the running the show. But she, but maybe like when push came to shove, they're like, okay, we have to do right. something to save ourselves so, and like exactly. screw this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. And they all disavowed him, even Nancy Salzman. And that, I think, made the difference in getting a lighter, except Claire Bronfman. Mm. She did not disavow Keith Raniere. And Lauren Salzman, who w- really was raised in that cult and kind of given to Keith Raniere by her mother. It's really a sick part. Mm. Uh, her sister was also involved with Nexium. Um, but her she was given... Um, I don't think she was given any time. Um, yeah, she wasn't given any time and because she really was uh, partially a victim. And that was the hardest thing in covering this case is trying to figure out who's the victim and who's the perpetrator. Yeah, it's very blurry. It's very blurry. Yeah. Um, and I still, people will still argue with me, you know, Claire Bronfman about Claire Bronfman. I, I don't have the feeling that I know that she had the money that Keith Raniere worked very hard on her to get her into that state. But my opinion is that there's something very dark about Claire Bronfman. She just has these very dark eyes. She makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And I felt feel like Keith Raniere knew what to ask of certain people. So he knew Allison Mack would be happy being a slave master and branding. She would do that. Mm. Um, he knew that, Claire Bronfman was happy to use her money to terrorize people like Scientology with these lawsuits, you know, just endless lawsuits. You mentioned Rick Ross in the opening. He was in litigation with Nexium for 14. I may be cutting it short, maybe more like 17, something like 14 or 17 years, a a long, long, almost two decades uh, or decade and a half with, you know, terrorized by Nexium. I mean, that can ruin a person. How over, you know, bogus, over bogus stuff. And that was also part of the issues that came up because in the Rick Ross, Rick Ross published their, um, he had an expert look at their materials and he published the experts' findings, which included their materials. And they said, oh, you published copyright stuff. That was part of the lawsuit. And so part of the charges against Nancy Salzman what she did was she took the videotapes that they had made these lectures and she had edited them out, edited out the parts where Nexium is making claims like we can cure things, you know, things like, you know what I mean? Things that you can't claim legally. Oh, And yeah, so they yeah. took that out of the videotapes and not only did that, they, they, they made new videotapes and they sanded them down. Mark Vicente testified that they sanded the videotapes, the outside of them with sandpaper to make them look old to hand them in these new edited videotapes without the damning pieces of information. So in some parts of the videotape, they have white noise going over their claims that they can heal things. Other parts of the videotape where she's not saying anything damning, they also have white noise. Are you following me or am I boring everyone? No, no, I'm getting, (laughs) am I boring everyone to death? Anyway, so they have white noise to make it look random. Like, Oh, this white noise just happened. Sorry. It's an old videotape. And he didn't know how they, they also dyed the labels. He didn't know how. I assume it was something like tea to make it look old, to make the labels look old, too, oh, before they handed it in. Wow. So part of what Nancy Salzman was charged with was was edit doctoring these videotapes in oh, the Rick Ross stuff. 
That's uh, almost like uh, like trying to pull off like that's almost like magic in itself. It's like I'm going to make these people think that this cassette, is, this VHS is old, right? Like <laughs> sands down the sides, makes right. it look dirty. <laughs> so many things. I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, it's so many parts of this cult. It's so huge. A lot of the money came from Mexico, uh, which yeah, is a see, whole other area of the cult. Uh, I interviewed the Nexium whistleblower. She's like a one-woman army helped bring them down. She was part of it and um, part of the executive success classes that they taught in Mexico. But it's still going. You know, it's still bringing in a lot of money. That's and where it's going and how, who's feeding Keith Ranieri's commissary is a good question. Oh. Yeah, you mentioned before. Now, this, from what I got out of it, this thing started like, what did they say in like 19, did they mention like when it started at the, the hearing? It was 1998 19, oh, or something? What, when Nexium started? As yeah. A, 1998, yeah. See, it was even around longer than I thought. I didn't know it was around that long. Yeah, and there's... And, you know, what's interesting is that the word has been out about this, it being a cult, for a long time before anything happened. It looked like something was never going to happen <laughs> until the branding story got out. Then, then, that, oh. then it seems like people got serious about mm. bringing it down. But there were Vanity Fair articles about Claire Bronfman and her sister Sarah, who somehow evaded charges. She left the country. She hasn't come back. I think she went to France, and now I think she's in Portugal. So she's never coming back into stepping foot for fear that she get charged. Is Sarah Bronfman the one, Roberta, who had an affair with someone linked to the Dalai Lama? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I was reading about it. Yeah, that's they, interesting. Again, there's another another like weird vegan connection there because I feel like you know very much uh, vegan diet is promoted in like right. Buddhism and yeah, it's interesting. The Bronfman's <laughs> paid for the Dalai Lama to come to the Albany area, Clifton Park area, and endorse Ranieri's teachings for depending on who's reporting one or two million dollars. Wow! So. Nobody, it's very interesting to me that nobody sort of says, hey, Dalai Lama, what about that $2 million you took from? I was just reading that now. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was just well, reading that. that. A more surprising part of the story. And it seems the same with the Ghislaine Maxwell, another trial I covered. Uh, the, the peripheral figures just go on. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I was just reading it now, and it said, uh, eager to distance themselves from cult allegations in the press, Nixian members sought the endorsement of the Dalai Lama, spending $2 million on the project. <laughs> I was like, of course, give him $2 million. He'll endorse it. Wild, honestly. <laughs> what an endorsement, though, right? Yeah, he met with them. I mean, you can see the pictures. He met. They're both wearing their scarves. Nixium had a whole scarf system. Oh. A, a oh, ranking that you went yeah. up with scarves. Um, oh, that's kind of much weird. like martial arts, yeah. Oh. And um, that's interesting. I like. It, it, do you know about that? Like, could you give like more detail? Like, do you know the colored scarves? Was if which ones they were and how it went up? Do you remember that? I have it in my notes. I took all the notes from the trial. I'd have to go get my notebook oh, okay. to tell you exactly. But you get in on I think a certain color, say white, and then you you know. But it, certain people like Mark Vicente moved up very rapidly because he had been, he was a good catch for the cult. He had been a successful documentary filmmaker and they, 
if you get up to a certain level, then you can become a proctor and then you can teach it and maybe make some money. But they, it's very hard to make money. A few people did it, like Sarah Edmondson made, made money in Nexium. Mark Vicente made money in Nexium. But most people lost money. Like Allison Mack basically gave up her whole career. And I don't think she was doing too well financially there at the end. Everything had been given to Keith Raniere. Really sad. Um, in like, some ways, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I'd wish she'd have gotten a little bit more time, but <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, what can you do? You know, what can you do? It's a hard, I, I don't think, I think you don't, can't tell a sincere apology and insincere. It's very hard to tell what's sincere when people are in court and their life is on the line. Oh America. yeah. You know, <laughs> it's hard to be a hard ass and be like, Oh no, they, but a lot of times I just go with my gut, you know, I just didn't feel like she was very sincere in her, in her statement to the court when she was being sentenced, but okay. That's interesting that they do, uh, like you said, they do the different colored stuff for moving up. It almost sounds a little bit like, um, like, I don't think they got paid in Scientology, but like, uh, you know, even with Scientology, you can move up, you can start becoming an auditor, you know, all those things. Right. It even sounds like it has kind of like that Scientology idea behind it, like moving up and being able to you know, work in the system too. But right. I'm sure and that's a really a good point is that Keith Ranieri stole. He's the most unoriginal, mediocre human being. And he surrounded himself. The reason he got this 240 IQ is because he had his child, I don't want to call girlfriend or victim. <laughs> he took a take home IQ test and then he had his child victim take the IQ and she's the one that got the 240 IQ oh, result wow. from that when she was 16. I believe. So she's the genius. Yeah. She's the genius, not he. And when you look at, at, at Danny, who got, got imprisoned in that room. If you look at her drawings, they're amazing. Now she's running. Um, she's a boss in Mexico <laughs> has many, many employees under, these are remarkable people that got involved in this cult and that he sucked their talent, especially women, their talent, their creativity, uh, their ideas from. He had no original ideas of his own. Every He can play one song on the piano. That's all he can play. <laughs> He's just a very mediocre, schlubby, nothing burger of a man. It's amazing that he had anybody following him. I feel like so many narcissists are like that. They're very unoriginal, actually. True, true, yeah. But what he was good at, Teresa, with women who have, I think all women want to be heard. I mean, Mm. even with my boyfriend, they go, you know, he goes, oh, I can't hear it right now. Stop talking. You know what I mean? (laughs) But Keith Ranieri would do this thing where he'd look in women's eyes Mm. and he'd listen to them and nod his head. He could fake sincerity. You know that George Burns quote, if you can fake sincerity, you got it made? That is Keith Raniere. He could fake sincerity. He could really listen. But what he was listening for is your weaknesses so he could exploit them. So for women to be listened to and to be understood, that was a real aphrodisiac. Very powerful indeed. That's Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, he was definitely a master manipulator for sure. And like you said, I'm sure he was only paying attention so he could hear what weaknesses they had and knew exactly how to prey on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, um, Tony Natale, um, just a quick shout out, it's her birthday today, who dated Keith Raniere and was also 
um, sued by this cult and, and hunted by this cult for years. She fought them. Um, amazing woman. She, what she um, says about <laughs> of Keith Ranieri is that to understand the Nexium cult, you have to understand that the neuro-linguistic programming part is key and that the people who are very susceptible to hypnosis she felt like that most of the people who took ESP Nexium classes would drop out, but there would be like a small percentage who would stay. And she felt that those were the people who were very highly susceptible to hypnosis. And mm. when you look, mm. when, I think it was at Claire Bronfman's sentencing hearing, or was it someone else's? Maybe it was Keith Ranieri's, where I, I think it was Keith Ranieri's, where I was in a room, overflow room with the Nexium cult devotees. They all, I showed up, I thought the earliest, they beat me to it. So I showed up like maybe five hours early and there are all the Nexium cult devotees in line in front of me. And so we're all in the same overflow room because it was COVID and no one was getting into the courtroom except the victims with victim impact statements and Keith Ranieri. And so they're in there and we're hearing the worst victim impact statements, the worst kind of stuff. And they are like... I said, it's like looking at someone watching an episode of Seinfeld with the sound off, like just not, they're not taking in this hard. I mean, we're weeping. Uh, some of us, including me, were weeping, having real reactions and they're just like not taking in it. So I, I, I understand that maybe they are still kind of in this perpetual state of hypnosis. Yeah, from this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I experienced at Nancy Salzman. But she's good. <laughs> you know, whatever she did was good because it wiped me out and yeah. it made me feel very weird. Yeah, it's just really a, it's a using language to paint pictures. And but none of these sentences that she said went anywhere. They all just sort of that's all I can say is they they just they just went on top of each other. Round <laughs> circles. Well, if she was trying to do some like uh, magical word stuff, it may not have made sense to most people or it might have just kind of been like, what was that for? You know, it was very it was, weird. I have my notes from it. I, I wrote down almost everything she said. It was very weird, but it knocked me out for sure. Knocked me out of the game for a couple bizarre. days. Yeah. I do have a, I do have a question and it was something I was going to ask anyway. I already forgot. And you mentioned a name already. Alison Mack, besides her, <laughs> was there any other like kind of celebrities, I guess, or well-known people that were associated with this cult? Well, Richard Branson gave his Island to Nexium and many People have said that he's taken Nexium classes. Uh, Catherine Oxenberg obviously took her daughter, India, to Nexium classes. Unfortunately, India got really into it and became a slave master, you know, branded slave master. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Not super celebrities, but they had money and they had might. And it seems like when people complained about the Nexium cult to the local authorities, they were gone after. Mm -hmm. So they seem to have a lot of political connections. And that hasn't been really explored as to That would be another Scientology-like move again. Yes. (laughs) That's very interesting. Yeah. Was there anything? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I know there was a Canadian actress too, uh, Kristen Crook. She was, she's more well-known in Canada, but she's, again, like not super famous. But Thank you probably you. recognize her from a few things. 
Nikki Klein from Battle Scars, she's still devoted to the cold. I think she just took a picture, speaking of veganism, took a picture on Twitter with herself with like seven bottles of just egg. <laughs> so she's oh, still keeping to that. <laughs> I mean, I love that, eggs. But the, fake, the fake egg, the very expensive fake egg. Right. I'm wow. trying to see where Kristen Crook was from. You now, I, I also uh, have another question. Uh, oh, I don't remember hearing about that, but uh, was there any politicians? Roberta? Not off the top of my head that I can okay. think of. All right, yeah. I didn't think so either, but I figured I would ask. Um, one thing I did want to ask, too, when it came to the branding, um, I'm a little confused about what, what might be considered conspiracy people or what actually made the news. But did they ever um, – it's obviously it looks like a K&R for Keith Raniere, but did anybody ever say that it looked like possibly like the AM for Allison Mack as well? Yes. Also, that yeah. did come up as also – yeah, right. That was oh. in the early reporting on uh, Frank Perlato's blog. He was saying that Alice and Max, if you turn it sideways, it mm-hmm. looks like Alice and Mac. But uh, that's never been sort of solidified or there hasn't really ever been any evidence gotcha. okay. to back that up besides for what it looks like. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Okay. No, I just wanted to – because it does look like it could be both. Who knows? Uh, now, when it, did they cover the branding a lot in court? Can you hold? Uh, can can you guys hold on one second? I'm yeah, sorry, I have someone at the door. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's hold on right. one second. Not a problem. It's okay. No problem. <laughs> so sorry. I'll be back in one sec. Uh-huh. It happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to also. Uh, I got to remember to ask about Mexico too. I find that interesting. Yeah, that's the such a weird part is that family that moved from like what she was talking about moved from Mexico joined the cult, moved to Albany, New York, and then their three daughters basically were all involved with Keith. And the middle one is the one that got locked up for two years. It's very weird. And, like, in their house. So she can hear her family living life, and she's locked in a room. Like, I just don't understand as parents how you can do that. That's crazy, yeah. Some serious uh, mind programming, right? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm curious now to learn more about NLP. What's that? Uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And you know who else did NLP? from? So from, like, the spiritual gangsters, Jules is Bob. When we had oh. Jules on, her uh, narcissistic ex-boyfriend was an expert in NLP. No idea. So I just I just messaged her as, we were, as we're on right now, and I'm like, Jules, <laughs> like... Where did Bob learn NLP? I'm like, did he take classes with Nexium? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, never know. Yeah, but I find the, uh, not to keep going back on like the Mormon stuff, but I do find that interesting with Mexico. Because you even have a, you know, they're sure. big out there as well. Never know. Yeah, I wonder if the, what if Nexium was going to uh, the pyramid in Chichen Itza. <laughs> right? Like, like I wrote too. down, I'm like, I got to find out if there's a connection to the yoga I used to be involved in. I wonder with the founders. I'm just curious. Maybe not, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Oh, there you go. Perfect timing. I was just. I'm back. Say, Sorry yeah, about so. that. No, it's quite all right. Perfect timing. We just uh, got done talking. Do people ask you if you had a studio? People ask me of that. No, uh, no. I think because of my background. If I was using the green screen, maybe they think I have a studio. But no, I don't. I will hopefully when I move. I'll try to make somewhat of a studio, but 
There's no room. Uh, really? Uh, there's no room here in this Manhattan apartment. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm in Queens. Studio, I mean, man. I'm in my kitchen, as you can see. <laughs> the refrigerator behind me. Yeah, you can still see the fuzzy refrigerator. Yeah. 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 I'm just trying to, like, cover all the f- photos on there. I need creeps, like, trying to zero in and look at stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to ask, I was even saying, I told Teresa, I said, I just don't want to forget to ask. And uh, when they talked about Mexico, I mean, I, I don't know, like, how how well that would work because it's like a different country but did they go into like what's going on in mexico possibly with them or like how like what's up with mexico and why like because they were there as well too right what do you mean what's going on well they they also had like stuff like from what i read like all right they were in canada and mexico and i think you even mentioned india too right like didn't they? I don't they, know about their. I do not know about Nexium and that's not uh, in India. Oh, okay, maybe I was confused at something you said before. Uh, but in Mexico and in Canada, they were associated too with stuff, right? Yeah, maybe you were confused with India Oxenberg. Oh Oxenberg. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you got that. Yeah. When you... um, um. Yes, uh, they got a lot of money, and uh, also they were planning on sending their enemies like Tony Natale to Mexico to get them arrested and put in a Mexican prison. So they were like, oh, there's a journalist in Mexico who wants to talk to you. Just go down there. Just But they have to talk to you in person. Just go down to Mexico and meet with them. They want to expose Nexium, you know. And, they, and luckily, no one took the bait. But that's what they were planning on doing is – is arresting, having their enemies arrested in, in Mexico, which is ironic because guess where, guess where uh, Keith Raniere got arrested? In Mexico. Mexico, right, oh, hiding wow. out. And then they, <laughs> his bail hearing. Came back and bit him in the was, His bail hearing was fascinating. He, here he is fleeing the law. He was caught hiding in a closet. Here's supposed to be the greatest, most ethical man in the world. When the police come for him, he goes and hides like a little wimp in the closet away from the big bad police and basically hides behind his women devotees. Oh, I heard, I heard that. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. So he's hiding in the closet and he's got these burner phones and all this stuff. This is the same issue with Maxwell. And they're all upset that they can't get bail. Well, you've been caught. The main issue with bail is you're given the presumption of innocence, but balanced with the idea that you won't flee when you're (laughs) caught in hiding it's not good you're not getting bail dude you're not getting bail but he was offering 20 million dollars and armed guards and the judges asked questions like well what if keith ranieri tried to flee could these armed guards shoot him do they have the you know it was just getting absurd and he was always denied but he tried multiple times to get bail and so did and so did maxwell with these elaborate we'll give up all our passports we'll do this we'll do that we'll have armed guards we'll serve our time in a luxury hotel or a mansion or whatever the freak they you know some ridiculous so it, it gives you an idea that one of the main reasons that that was rejected was because the judge said that rich people should not have a different kind of legal system and options than poor people. So that was a no-go for Keith Raniere. 
I mean, if they have money, what's to stop you from, like, jumping on a legal boat from somewhere like Florida or something and heading back down to South America again, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's illegal ways of getting out of the country as long as you got money. You know, you don't need your passport for it. So handing in your passports probably wasn't going to make a difference. No, but they get really upset and they complain, you know, they complain a lot and uh, that they, they, don't get, they don't get bail. But you're not going to get it in that way. Mm. So it's wild. Now, another question I had for you, I think I even mentioned to you earlier, was there any stuff that, like, you found very interesting that really didn't make it to the news? Or did, was everything kind of on the news already that happened in the courtroom? Um, let's see. I mean, there's making it into the news, and then there's making it into the what do you call it? Zeitgeist of society? Yeah, I don't know what you call it. The, conspiracy society. The sort of consciousness. Yeah, like um, public consciousness. Public like public, I don't think people know that Claire Bronfman did that fake faint and, and delayed. I don't know if they know that she had Michael Abinati as a lawyer. Um, there's all sorts of interesting things like the people that represented Keith Ranieri's appeal. Jennifer Bongean is the is a Innocence Project lawyer, uh, 2014 Chicago Humani- Innocence Project Humanitarian of the Year Award. She's responsible for overturning Bill Cosby's conviction. She's currently trying to overturn R. Kelly's conviction. She represented, oh. she represented a, she's gotten a lot of guilty people out in Chicago and helped them sue and taxpayers paying for their total rightful conviction. Um, she, you know, represented Bill Cosby civilly. She uh, uh, represented Keith Ranieri's appeal. He was also represented by Marty Tankliff, who was convicted of killing his parents, Arlene and Seymour Tankliff, in the appeal. And I covered that case. I feel he, he, he got out on a technicality. They, they got out basically on a technicality, and Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, decided not to retry him because of certain technical issues. But he hired the same PR agent as the West Memphis Three, Lonnie Surrey, uh, and he's basically convinced the whole world that he's innocent. He's now a lawyer. Uh, obviously, he's a lawyer representing Keith Raniere, but and he's helping free other, in my opinion, guilty people. So basically, Keith Raniere was represented by a woman who's trying to get R. Kelly off, got Cosby off, <sighs> gotten people arsonists rapists murderers off and 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 uh that that didn't really make it because our, our media will never talk about innocence fraud they they just won't touch that with a 10-foot pole but i will so <laughs> i will tell you that i think marty tankliff is completely guilty of killing his parents and i thought that was a good match representing keith ranieri i thought they were match made in heaven two psychopaths <laughs> together sounds my like opinion it. yeah my it's opinion. your opinion um, another, uh, you don't question. sue me, Marty Tankliff, or do sue me, Marty Tankliff. Maybe I can't tell which one, which I want. Either way, <laughs> do it either way you want. But you know, I think it's, I think it's interesting. That didn't really make it. Uh, there's lots of, there's lots of little moments that I remember, like Mark Vicente was handed the the mission statement that Nexium read in court, and the lawyer asked him, "Do you know what this is?" And he just started crying. And he said, and he said, why, I think the next question was, why did you have that reaction? He said, because it's evil. He says, behind a veneer, it's just evil. He said more things, but it was very moving. And I'll never forget that. It was a goosebump moment. And I'll never forget that. 
You wanted to ask um, you, you mentioned something before, kind of like PR, and I was wondering, uh, maybe you would know, since you have more experience in a courtroom than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever, like, thought that, like, all right, if you get a good press, like, if they would have gotten enough people to back them on TV and all this and all this publicity saying, oh, you know, I, I think they're being wrongfully accused, do you think that stuff does kind of affect, like, the trial and how stuff goes? Like, yes. If the public it is does. like, oh, this is horrible, you know? Mm. Right, but usually a wrongful conviction movement, uh, a wrongful conviction campaign, cannot start until about fourteen years after. First, it's post-trial litigation. It's it, so you'll basically you'll never see someone protesting like <laughs> protesting in front of a court saying there's a trial going on and it's a kangaroo court and stop it. They wait until the public has totally forgotten all the details <laughs> and that they can rewrite the case. So it has to start can... about 14 years later until oh, wow. all the details are forgotten. It, you really funny. need an ignorant public for a good innocence fraud campaign. That is, that is a really but good it's point. interesting. Nikki Klein is out there saying the FBI, this is prosecutorial overreach and Donald Trump is retweeting Nikki Klein's tweet. So maybe she'll get some traction. Maybe this will start early. Maybe not enough people are paying attention to Keith Ranieri's trial. And the vow is a very interesting documentary in that it starts out with all the good things that Nexium community and, you know, it really looks like the first episode of the vow really looks like an advertisement for Nexium. So if you just watch the first episode of The Vow, it doesn't. It looks kind of like a benign group of really kind of great people. That's interesting. So maybe it can be rewritten. That's a really good question, um, whether this cult can be rewritten and whether there'll be some kind of campaign. I don't campaign to release Keith Raniere. I wouldn't be surprised, but that's what they're trying to do. And Keith Raniere went right to all those people like Jason Flom, who has the Wrongful Conviction podcast, and he wanted to do this. He wanted to do this. Oh, here's the thing that's not brought up very often. He wanted to do a kind of contest where the public was given offered thirty five thousand dollars to find all the holes in the case against Keith Raniere. This is Keith Raniere <laughs> who didn't put on a defense. Okay. They want to look at the holes in the prosecution case, not the fact that he had no defense, but okay. And what was interesting is that, so he was talking to Jason Flom. This is around the time he hired Marty Tankliff. Um, All these stars of this movement that I think is really a giant fraud sweeping the country. And uh, it never happened. Instead, Amanda Knox comes out of nowhere and, and gives her endorsement of Keith Ranieri's innocence. So was she paid? What did that some of that thirty five some or all of that thirty five thousand dollars that they were going to pay for this con- contest go to Amanda Knox? What did she get out of representing, uh, not representing, um, endorsing publicly Keith Ranieri, a guy convicted of child pornography, sex trafficking, racketeering, sex trafficking conspiracy? What does she gain by that? For her reputation, except maybe a little money. So yeah, that that's just a theory. I don't know what she got. Maybe it was out of the goodness of her own heart that she wanted to <laughs> to publicly endorse Keith Raniere. But that's an interesting thing that happened that really I reported on, but it didn't make much press. And I think it's an interesting part of the Nexium story. I remember hearing about that and people were like questioning, like, what was up with that? Like, you know, did she get paid for that? Is there something behind that? 
I remember hearing. Yeah, she she also did a did a sort of a a, a campaign for Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey, Teresa Hallback's killers, and she was reading from a script that Damien Eccles also did. So it's interesting what they're getting from that. That's funny. I was going to uh, say maybe in fourteen years yeah. he'll get the Alfred play like Damien Eccles did. Right. <laughs> when they, when they retell right. the story after so long. Right. 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 Exactly. It's forgotten. I, it was interesting. I wonder if the story will be rewritten and I will be, I don't know. I probably just spontaneously combust if that happens. <laughs> We're going to, they need to put out a three part series like paradise lost. I was completely biased to make the public. <laughs> think that they... Right. But the public still thinks that I'm wrong. You're wrong. We're all wrong. Yeah. And that they're, they're, they're all innocent. It's ridiculous. Even though they blame two stepfathers, a million confessions, they've all confessed. Ugh. It's outrageous. Um, Does anyone have any questions? Yeah, I have one last one, and uh, you don't have to go too deep into it or too much if it's a little much, but I did want to ask like, if there was any way, if you didn't mind, maybe just covering like one or two, maybe like some of the stories of what you actually heard that was going on like from people that might have testified. And after that, I think we're good. And like you don't have to go into anything too descriptive if it's too much for you. Testified to? So I talked oh, like about if people, testimony. Like, yeah, I talked people... about Mark Vicente's some of Mark Vicente's testimony. Um Lauren Salzman I had to work, which was supposed to be incredibly sad, her testimony. I missed it. It was supposed to be a real highlight of Keith Ranieri's trial. Um Testimony, oh god! Well, like any of the things that you heard, that was like supposedly you know people admitted to you know happening to them, whether they're. Oh god! I mean, just taking away Danny's passport—that she had to, she had no money. She had to go back to Mexico. They finally let her out of that room, and she had to go back to Mexico and work without any papers. Oh. For two years, so she's being like a janitor, like. Basically like a homeless person, depending on the kindness of strangers and just taking any job that she could. I mean, stuff like that, um, that Claire Bronfman was incredibly cruel, that she was asked, I think, for by one of the people she was exploiting as a maid to, for $30 for a doctor's visit, and she refused to give her that, something like that. I mean, just the cruelty of it all. Um I don't know if there's actually one, I mean, there's moments, it's more like the way, you know, your memory works. There's moments that are sort of burned in my brain from covering this trial, but is there just the cruelty of it, of it all? I mean, oh yeah, actually, you know what? I'll tell you about one, one moment. It has to do with Danny again, but (laughs) her mother, my understanding of, of, um, from my producer, Addie Abdo McDonald, is that Mexicans are very blunt. And you could hear this in this tape. So the mother goes to, Danny's mother goes to Keith Ranieri, and this was tape, to say, please release my daughter from bondage, you know, basically. And and, and Keith Ranieri sort of puts this rap on her, like, you know, it's for her own good, for her spiritual growth. We can't let her grow, blah, 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 you know, this stuff. And, she, and the mother's like, no, no. And then Keith Ranieri says, but you don't understand how I'm suffering because Danny's <laughs> locked what? up. He says, oh, "My man. Danny organized my library. He had this library, you know, you can see it in the vow and all the documentaries on Nexium. You see his library. 
she organized my library beautifully. And now that she is in the room, she can't organize my library. I can't even use my library anymore. And to me, that summed up. So the mother was like pushing Keith Ranieri and being like, no, I don't accept your argument very bluntly with him. And he was just putting more and more BS and then ultimately did a Darvo tactic, you know what I mean? Like reverse offender and said, like, I'm the real victim in all this. Not not your daughter. I, I'm the real victim. Classic narcissist. Yeah. Jeez. And it worked. She went away eventually by the end of it. But other things like, you know, he's he's announced that he's had people killed. The death of Kristen Snyder is very interesting. Why? Who was a lesbian? Who he he was in a marriage with a woman, and many people feel she was pregnant. That Keith Raniere had a real issue with lesbians and took them as a challenge, as a rejection of his masculinity and manhood, and that she was pregnant when she disappeared from Keith Raniere, trying to do his experiments on her making trying to make her not a lesbian and Holy she God. went away in a canoe in Alaska during Nexium classes and left a note but many people feel her body's never been recovered many people feel that there was was um, shenanigans in that in in that 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 wasn't a suicide and even if it even if she did all that say wrote the note herself there was no interference by any Nexium cult members in her let's call it a suicide. I would still call it a murder because mm-hmm. of the, of the kind of coercive control she was under. Yeah. Maybe she's in Mexico somewhere. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Her body's never been found, which is unusual. So is, is that canoe a red herring? I don't know. Uh, two, yeah. two real quick questions. One, I just, it was something you mentioned before I wanted to ask, uh, was it a, a thing like, if the people went to Mexico, did he was it a thing for him to take away their passports so they couldn't leave? I know some cults are big into doing that. They'll take away your passports. Yeah, <laughs> that's my understanding is that that did happen on on, uh, on um, some occasions. But the other thing he did was he also, you know, all these people like Allison Mack bought condos in that or lived in condos in that area, and then he put in cameras to monitor monitor them. So they thought that they were being kept safe by these cameras, but these cameras were really meant to monitor everything that they do. And it got, I I would be interesting to know where Nexium would have escalated to. Would it have ever been a kind of Jonestown? Would it have Mm. been a Synanon kind of snake in the mailbox kind of cult? Would it have gone, gone up to that level? But it looked like it was getting more and more dangerous as DOS was going, you know, as DOS went on and, they seemed invincible. They seemed like they were never going to be brought down. They had immense wealth and immense power protecting them. Yeah, that, that is an interesting thing to think about. Like, how, how big and how far could this have gotten if it was never stopped? I mean, I our press is really that. important and outrage is really important. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell, I don't believe, would ever have been, nor Keith Ranieri or the Nexium ever been brought down had the public not demanded it. Mm. When yeah. the story of the branding came out, the public were like, no, hell no. No, no, no. And that, that I believe, really put the, you know, es- escalated. Put some or, fire under their ass. Right, fire yeah. under their ass to charge them. Thank you. Put Thank pressure, you. for sure. Right, put the pressure. And same with Ghislaine Maxwell. I don't yeah. think that they were out to prosecute her. But no. look at Le- no. Les Wexner. He's still walking around. There's a lot of big players still walking around. I mean, oh, yeah. 
in that and the public has to stay on it and stay stay vocal yeah Neelings uh sentenced to trafficking people to who nobody apparently yeah, right yeah, nobody yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah you got yeah you got about it is never asked about it like it's so weird. Uh, we have this former president. And I was like, is he really above reproach? Is he above being asked the question? Yeah. You know, somebody else had uh, had had asked, um, were they, was there any allegations of this being connected to the Clintons? With Nixon? Did they have him? Was the Clinton's name ever brought up? It was brought up in that the Nexium devotees gave some money to the Clintons um, the, and Democrats in general. But, uh, yeah. Oh. I don't know if it goes deeper than that. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I mean, they were equal opportunity. I mean, uh, <laughs> equal party offenders. <laughs> I mean, they also, you know, uh, Roger Stone was involved with Nexium for a short while. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Really? So, okay. Hmm. Of course, a- nobody's involved once they get busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? He, oh, 10 years ago, him, I hung out for a little bit. Said, you, you can't use my services. I don't want your money, according to him. But right. other people tell a different That's story. That's funny. Oh yeah, dude. A long time ago, I thought they were cool, but yeah, not anymore. <laughs> I started thinking they were getting weird. And it freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. Listen to him on Alex Jones, and that clip is still up there. And then there's an interesting clip when Keith Raniere got busted of of Joe Rogan saying, "Oh, this is all just a BDSM club, and it shouldn't have been busted." I mean, unbelievable. Uh, and then the last last question I have for you, and then we can uh, let you go. Um, and I'm, I don't know if you heard anything about this, but was there anything being said about like women being sold to like high ranking high ranking families or at all? Was there anything about him like trying to sell off women? I haven't heard that. Okay, but all if right. other people have information, my. Email me. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Your stuff yeah. is in the bottom if you have any information. <laughs> Send it. My email is public in my about and my YouTube awesome. thing. Roberta Class 23 at Gmail. Email me. Tell me about it. Awesome. So. Um, you did mention, and this is just uh, for the future. Now, you mentioned Synanon before. Did you cover them as well? Did I cover Synanon? No. Oh, okay. But right. I, I know I've read a lot that. about them, and I, I'm very interested in Synanon. Yeah. I'm All right. Very I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Just maybe. personally. Yeah. yeah, so am I. I. I've watched a lot of stuff on it, and I'm like, that's something I'd like to cover, but it seems like kind of like a drawn-out thing to cover. Paul uh, Morantz's book is fantastic. What a mensch that guy is. Yeah, that That's like a whole other. That is just, and now, that's and William Anon, Ramsey did a fantastic interview with, with Paul Morantz. It's very long. It's excellent. And the synonym you were talking about is kind of like that. Uh, it's like a self-help group thing where you just sit there and like yell at each other and talk shit. And well, it was that. an encounter group. It really created yeah. the troubled teen industry. Yeah, and oh. it was a rehab. And then they were like, "Oh, we don't have enough junkies and alcoholics." Amazing. Uh, we will just have normies, and we'll make. They couldn't deal with the fact that people got better, so they wanted to make it at the end, like a thing that you was like a lifestyle. So they had people who didn't have drugs and alcohol problems just live there. And then they, and then they hired a security force, you know, Stan Kenton, the band leader son, Lance was one of the two people that put that rattlesnake with a rattle removed in Paul Morantz's mailbox. The guy who was trying to stop the cult. Oh, wow. It's interesting. There's oh, like a lot of I've big people. Hotel actually. California is supposed to be about Synanon. 
that song. I've heard that too. Yes. It had a lot of power. They had a lot of businesses and that's a whole part of buried California, buried history. It had a lot of power. Yeah, that was just a whole other interesting thing in itself. And when you mentioned Synanon, I was like, oh, maybe she's, you know. Yeah, you, you can't have any last questions with me. I'll just keep talking and talking, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's something maybe I'll think about in the future. We could talk about it at some other point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, uh, Teresa, do you happen to have any questions for her before I'm done? Um, I don't have any questions, but, Roberta, based on what you were saying, I was just doing some Googling while you were talking because – I don't know why some of the things you were saying was making bells go off in my head about like some of the yoga stuff I've been involved in and the people that I've learned from. And I, I know a lot of people in the yoga that I came from went to Waldorf school. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys are familiar with Waldorf. Yeah, my preschool was Waldorf. Oh, okay. Well, I was just wondering if there was a connection to Nexium, and there is. <laughs> oh, so, yeah? Yeah, and the use of NLP in the schools. And uh-huh. also that Keith himself went to Waldorf school throughout his grammar school years and part of high school, according to this one article. I just find that super weird, and yeah. I'm definitely going to research it more. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's a whole new awesome. topic for me to there dive into. I'm sorry. My preschool teacher was a Waldorf teacher. A Waldorf but it was a Quaker preschool but she was wonderful it was wonderful for preschool but i hear it gets more damaging as you go up i have some i i have some friends who are very into like alternative education and uh i know a few of them have had very weird experiences with waldorf and i know Mm -hmm. that the one at least one of the girls who founded the style of yoga that i studied the most she's from waldorf and they had like yogis and like buddhist monks teach them like from from children so I'm just I'm curious, and then it ties into the whole vegan thing and blah blah. blah. So many yoga <laughs> outfits have had with their gurus have oh. had sexual uh, scandals. Yes. Very much, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It just says here in this article I pulled up that uh, a lot of Nexium members were adamant about their children attending Waldorf schools, That's and it was so like a it was like a recruitment for people. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, it's a big story. I mean, there's so many areas and, you know, to be an expert on every every aspect of Nexium is certainly totally. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, Re- Roberta, do you want to plug all your stuff again? And if you want, leave your email one sure. more time for people. In <laughs> okay. Yeah. Write to me at Roberta Glass 23 at Gmail. Um, Roberta Glass True Crime Report. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, basically anywhere where you can hear a podcast. I have a Facebook group, Roberta Glass True Crime Report. Come join the discussion there. Patreon, Twitter at Roberta Glass Pod. Come follow me. Uh, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. I know I had a good time too. Uh, and Teresa, do you want to plug your show? Sure. So it's a spiritual gangsters co-hosted with you, <laughs> and it can be found on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and yeah, come check it out. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And also thank you all in the uh, the live chat that asked questions. That's why I do it. I like to get you guys to hopefully be able to interact with the guests if you have any questions. Thank you all. It was the same. You know, you guys know who you are. It's the same people all the time, and I appreciate that for real. Um, so, yeah, 
So that is the end of another uh, Freaky Friday's NY Patriot show. Uh, thank you again for Teresa for co-hosting, and thank you again, Roberta, for coming on. I had a, That was a great show. I don't know much about it, and uh, yeah, very interesting. And now I'm, I'm going to have to look into this Waldo school. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, until the next one, everybody be well and uh, have a good day. Later. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you.